Welcome back to the Remedial Film Class Podcast. I'm your host, Dan. And I'm Travis. And I'm George. And George, this week we watched old people with long hair to make them look younger the movie. I mean, <laughs> mm. the box said Red Dragon, but yeah. subtitle. Alternate title. I think that was the French title, actually. Interesting take. Yeah. I like that. Old it's people with long hair to look younger. It's a shame this is, was done before the deep fake. Mm. Or the, uh, what was the de-aging that they've been doing lately? Because mm. uh, a younger Hannibal. So like before Instagram filters? <laughs> <laughs> they're, yeah. They're de-aging sometimes. Yeah. So uh, we watched 2002's Red Dragon, the Seek prequel to uh, Silence of the Lambs, and I guess Hannibal, which we mm. just generally don't talk about on this show as a rule. Uh, George, you'd seen this before, but it'd been a while. I hadn't seen it since at least 2006, so I mean, it's wow. it's been a minute. For me, yeah, for me, I think it was in the theater was the last time I saw it. So it's interesting <laughs> in my notes to see my perspective as a person who didn't know Silence of the Lambs that well to a person who's now obsessed with it because of our show, basically. You guys got me really hooked mm. on that movie. Nice. George, what are your thoughts on Red Dragon coming right out of the gate? It was good to watch it again. It had been a very long time because all the all the jump scares still got me. Mm. It's been long enough where I wasn't expecting some things, especially some things uh, towards the end, um, which I, how did I not remember? I don't know. It was good. We're a spoiler show, so you don't have to be cryptic. Yeah. I mean, especially <laughs> after watching Silence of the Lambs, the end is great of that. Yeah. You should know, if you've seen Silence of the Lambs, what's going on mm-hmm. right here in this burning house and this blind girl. Like, that face is not his. Right. That dude is still alive. Right? I don't know. They play it so well. Though. Okay, well, so yeah. are we going to talk about the well, end of the movie at the beginning again? We've done this a lot lately. <laughs> yeah, we're going to go backwards. Yeah, we always do. We're going to Tarantino this. Just, but what I'm saying <laughs> is, it, it was. you asked me... So watching it again, and what I'm saying is, it had been so long that I forgot that. Right, and I it did got too. me again when when you saw the blood splatter on her face. I was like, "Oh shit! He, wow!" And I forgot. Yeah, yeah. I forgot. I also, I also. When forgot. did it come out? It was like '98, 2002, 2002. Okay, yeah. So I think I saw it. I wasn't working at the movie theater, but I do believe I I did watch it in the theater. So that was the last time I saw it. So it was a long time ago. You know what scene I remember vividly though? The uh the scene when uh Francis has the reporter in the wheelchair and he's mm. showing him the pictures. Yeah. Oh yeah. And he's like, "Do you see? Do you see? Do you see? I feel like I'm the reporter in the wheelchair." Mm. And you guys are Francis. <laughs> like once a week at least. I have a wheelchair. Do you in the see? Basement. <laughs> Do, Do you see? see? <laughs> I try never to glue people to chairs. It's a yeah. little too permanent, but I mean if you want it, Travis can make it happen. Well, I thank you for never setting me on fire and Oh, I mean, jazz. yeah. That's a courtesy I extend. <laughs> yeah. To you guys. I appreciate that. I watched the guy who did a review of this movie and he made me laugh at work out loud because he did that part. He showed that part. Mhm. <laughs> But before he showed the wheelchair coming down the street, he did a Johnny Knoxville jackass introduction. Oh, no. <laughs> and he goes, and now the flaming wheelchair bit. Or something. And then you heard that. Bear, near, near. And then he <laughs> had it rolled down the street. I started, and they had the jackass logo and everything. It was the funniest thing. I just started laughing. And people at work are like, what the fuck's wrong with this guy? <laughs> Or you're like listening it to it me. in the headphones. Yeah, because it was such it's such a like a serious movie. Yeah. And and I just he just threw me. I heard the guitar riff. I wouldn't mind watching that. That does sound like fun. Hey, so Philip Seymour Hoffman is in this movie, and I don't know if you're familiar with his work at all, George, but he was like one of the kind of like I don't know, actors actors, if you know what I mean. Like a guy that you always heard good things and respect from his fellow actors. Uh, mm-hmm. Sadly, he's he's no longer with us due to a a drug thing. But yeah, was it overdose? Yeah, yeah, one of those ones where like a batch of hot heroin got out and 
killed a bunch yeah. of people. I think. Know what's if, funny if about him? Right and... He was always my favorite character actor that was not serious. Like when he was in Twister, and he was in Along Came Polly. He was like he was just a comedic sidekick, and then he starts doing like these really serious roles like Capote and 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 uh, I think he got a couple Oscar nominations and stuff. And uh, he was in Patch Adams too. Yeah, he's and in Mission like, Impossible 3. He does a real yeah. scary... Actually, Kevin Smith does a pretty good impression of him in Mission Impossible 3. I won't try it, but... Okay. He's... Yeah. <laughs> and he's in a movie that I, I'm hoping we get snuck in here soon in the uh, in the clickbaity YouTube world of trashier movies we need to be watching. Yeah. Guys, can't wait. Um, but yeah, so George, if you're not familiar with Philip Seymour Hoffman, he is... Uh, he, he was a heck of an actor. And mm-hmm. you believe that he is afraid of the dragon man. I mean, that scene with him going one-on-one. Now, do you guys call him Rafe Fines or Ralph Fines? I always say Rafe Fine. Why do they say Rafe? Is it a French know. pronunciation or something? I don't know. I think when he became big was like during Strange Days, back in the late 90s. And I remember them saying his name is Rafe. Back so, then, uh, it just kind of stuck. The scene... With, uh, you know, the do you see, right? Mm-hmm. Hoffman is like this great mix of like casual delivery and like pre-planned delivery. Oh my God. I don't know. That that little scene, that's all I need from him to mm-hmm. know that he's he's really firing on all cylinders. Despite some things that might have held him back otherwise. Guys, yeah. can we talk about the people that made this movie real quick? Because it's going to come up. A lot tonight. Sure. Now, I'm not going to take anything away from the production value of the movie. Like, if I didn't know any better and you told me it was a Michael Bay production, I'd have been like, yeah, it looks great. Uh, Everything looks great. It's probably somebody high-powered like that. And it's Dino De Laurentiis. Laurentiis, yes. I always want to say Laurentiis, but it's Laurentiis. Laurentiis, yeah. So Dino De Laurentiis, who, by the way, uh, produced Death Wish back in the day. Danger Diabolic. An Italian movie directed by Mario Baba. Uh, Halloween 2 and 3. King Kong remake. And the Italian weird Amityville 2. Oh, yeah. I love Amityville. Wait, wait, is that what you said? He did the second one, yeah. Yeah, I love the second one. It's the telling of... But I love it for different reasons. But it's got that trashy Italian thing going on, which I'm... That part I like. But there's too much kid shooting. I don't like that part. Yeah, but... It's a little inside story. My brother-in-law, who who is also George's brother-in-law, his family how does that work? Name is DeFeo, and his first name is Ron. And the guy who killed his family in the original Amityville horror movie book story, uh, was Ron DeFeo. Oh, jeez. And <laughs> my my friend Ron's dad's sister's name was Louise. And the wife's name was Louise. So it was Louise and Ron DeFeo. Oh, geez, Louise. Uh, yeah, so we always, that that movie, kind of, and plus I saw that when I was a kid. That was like one of the first horror movies I saw. So it really freaked me out. It explains it like a lot exorcist. about Travis, actually. Yeah. Well, I had a bedroom in the basement. The possession <laughs> happened in the basement. The, like There was just a lot of stuff in that movie that creeped me out. The, it's it's be, a weird one. Uh, I doubt we're ever yeah. going to do it on the show, but it's... Probably not. It stands out from the original in a lot of ways. And yes. anyway, tr- uh, produced by the same guy that did this one. So, long-tenured movie producer, but we've been talking a lot about movies in this era, this early 2000s, late, late 90s. All the directors have been music video directors who've mm-hmm. then turned into... And so uh, last week I said, I haven't looked yet, but I'm betting Brett Ratner probably did a bunch of uh, Nine Inch Nails videos and it, he did a lot of music videos, but it was, okay. it was for like pop and rap. Right. So I, I don't know, not taking anything away from that. That's not why he's a sucky director, but guys, he's kind of a sucky director. Why do you say that? Because I've seen his other movies, <laughs> but yeah, his other movies. Oh my God. Okay. This is his, yeah. this is his best. This is the best one. Yeah. And as I'm watching it today through the lens of someone who's seen his other work and who's obsessed now with sounds of the lambs. Thank you guys for getting me into that movie. You're welcome. You're welcome. There are You're welcome. this whole movie is nothing but one shots of dialogue. 
Have you noticed how much of this movie is over the shoulder looking at one character, switch looking mm-hmm. at the other character, switch looking at the first character, switch back to the second character. And so when we talk about, you know, Rafe Fiennes and Philip Seymour Hoffman having this one-on-one scene, I have to point out that this is one of a dozen like one-on-one character moment yeah. scenes where like the structure of most dialogue in this movie is almost like a celebrity death match, like one-on-one I say something, you say something, volley kind right. of thing. Yeah, the volley. It's a lot of that, man. Do you think that the the influence was from Silence, but just wasn't executed correctly? Because the the whole charm of Silence is those intimate volley scenes between Clarice and Hannibal, and even in this move, they try to capture that a little bit with reflections mm-hmm. and all. They, I I knew I was like George probably gonna bring up the because they do that with um, Norton a few times where he's like talking to Lecter and they do the reflection in the plexiglass. So they're kind of trying to recapture that. Yeah, the whole the whole uh, there's plexiglass there <clears throat> and very clear at certain parts, and it kind of disappears at right. certain other parts purposely right and i think that he probably just kind of maybe liked the time it took to set up a shot like that or maybe the actors didn't like acting to each other so they did a lot of no i think that your first theory was right he's trying to recreate Recreate, uh, yeah yeah a ton uh, of this movie feels like they just took the the positive reviews for silence and then the negative reviews for hannibal and we're like okay well we saw what didn't work with hannibal so let's just do the cell scene with Clarice with every character mm. in any setting. And then let's add in a lot of the same gags that Clarice had with Hannibal. You know, all this like, oh, uh, you've got to try harder than that. Okay, give me the file. You know, this whole back and forth yeah. thing. A lot of that dialogue just feels like they just recycled the same bits from Silence. You can't redo the quid pro, pro quo. You have to figure out something else witty that Lecter's going to do to mine F you and not well, I mean, just do the you, same You can shit. do it. You, it can. Just, you should. It just you sucks. Should. Right. A little bit. But like the movies, I'm, I'm not going to say I don't like this movie, but a lot of it feels to me just like a retread, which is so weird for it to be a prequel retreading things from a future movie in the same family. Well, if it's a prequel to an existing IP, then they're obviously going to try to capture that. Like, any movie like let's say shrek was so awesome they made shrek you you can never make shrek again let's do a movie about shrek growing up and they do it and it's basically all the same jokes and the same whatever it's just a younger shrek they did it with dumb and dumber they did or dumb and dumberer they did it with uh (laughs) doesn't that have a really good bob saget scene in it (laughs) i tend to remember it's only about there being crap on the walls or something yeah yeah, Very he has funny. a few. He, <laughs> there's a couple movies where he makes an appearance and he's iconic. Um, what was the quote from the Dave Chappelle movie? Did you ever see a uh, Half Baked? I didn't know. Oh my god! Oh, um, he y- says you you've ever never su- had to suck dick for coke. Yeah. So, or, you suck dick for crack, <laughs> and you I'm haven't like, you haven't hit rock bottom or something like that. I'm like, oh my god, that's that's Mr. Tanner. Oh, by yeah. the way, R.I.P. R.I.P. <laughs> yes, yeah, man. that man. Yes. Um, yeah. and Gilbert Gottfried, by the way. Yeah, R.I.P. I was watching uh, Rick and Morty, mm. and I'm on season one, right? Because I just yeah, started back watching to the future it. Because it's more, yeah, it is, it is, but it's more Dan Harmon. He was the mm-hmm. the community guy. Yeah. So I was like, let me just go through more Dan Harmon uh, television goodness. And something happened, and the father was like, "Oh my god, I need to take a video. I need to call Bob Saget." And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> it's just." I was like. <laughs> Yeah. That was it was good. Yeah, he does need to call Bob Saget. Yeah. But uh he can't anymore. I'm thinking we are definitely gonna watch Aristocrats <laughs> at some point. That might be yeah. a good bonus feature. Yeah. yeah we, God, we that's a fun movie it. though. <laughs> but yeah, they they've they do that in their prequel, like try to capture. So I I think that's why this movie is uh, silence light, I guess. Yeah, it feels held back. They're trying to capture what's in the book, but they know Hannibal Lecter is a recognizable character, so they added some scenes in here to make him more relevant. Then you know, so you can you can tell that they added stuff. 
If you're looking uh, for a good book, though, George, Red Dragon the book, very, very good. Um, at the time, when I went through the original you know, series of uh, Thomas Harris books, it was my favorite of his books. Hmm. Don't know if it's still that way. I need to reread them all, but I'm I'm not sure that after watching this movie that I want to read about the Red Dragon. I might become possessed. You mm. may see, and then you might eat the painting, guys. I hate that part so much. Can we yeah. talk about why I hate that part? Besides, it's so asinine that he eats a painting. Because the whole time he's chewing, your blood is tingling because you can hear the paper in his mouth. <laughs> No, but that is really gross. <laughs> That's what I was like. Oh my god, I can like I'm doing it right now. I can feel it. <laughs> yeah, like, make sure make a face. Like, yeah. Oh god, no, uh, oh, no. The thing is, I That's... hate it in movies, and this is something that you see in uh, a lot of movies when a villain goes on a side quest at a, like a pivotal time. Usually, it's in Act Three because it's part of the way they like escalate right before the conclusion. The idea that you introduce a side quest for the villain that introduces them to like new police scrutiny Hmm. it's just so sloppy and doesn't make any sense for a person who's already calculating and avoiding the police at every juncture to then go out and do something so risky and stupid even if for the passion of the you know the beautiful painting or whatever i don't the only time that looks like crap the only time that works is when it's like a desperation type thing where you or if the character himself wants to get caught, then it then it works. We have to steal the Constitution. <laughs> oh man, God. Um, <sighs> like yeah. John Doe, John Doe in I mean, Seven. Yeah, kind of does that. I thought that he had a a decent enough motivation to to maybe not eat the painting but destroy it. He was in love. Mm. He found a woman that he thought he loved. She was really good. I almost thought she was blind. She was very good. I even asked my wife because uh, uh, to come in and, and rate her cane skills oh. because that's what my wife does for a living. She teaches blind and visually impaired individuals how to travel safely. So she loves that. She loves that shit mm. in movies. She wants to see how accurately they capture. Right. Like your, but your it's cool. sister. She does these these cool things, like when she fills the coffee cup, her thumb is like right on the rim. So when the coffee right. gets up to her thumb, she stops. Yeah, cool stuff like That's that. That's the difference between an uh, an actor and a good actor. She loves *Son of a Woman*. Well, and it also really yeah, helps that when you have a good technical advisor. Right, right, right. Somebody on set who says this is how it should be, instead so, of just like. Let's make up the pronunciation of the word infarction. Let's call it infraction. I've heard that word right. from police shows. Yep. <laughs> I'm not letting yes, that but, go. But uh, from <laughs> in an expert opinion, if I may speak for my wife, she did play a good blind blind woman. Yeah. And her freak out at the end when, uh, you know, after the she's got blood on her face and she's outside the house and the police are with her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would rate it up there next to like the seven lust guy. Like yeah. it's. Top tier freak out. There's no acting left. It's all just being. Yeah. Yeah. Uh It's being. Yep. It reminded me of uh, that scene in in Night of the Living Dead remake when uh, Patricia Tallman, who plays, uh, oh my God, I can't remember her name, Barbara. Um, (laughs) Only the biggest character in the movie. (laughs) He couldn't Uh, remember Barbara. (laughs) Okay. Coming to get you, Barbara. Uh, When she does, when she's trying to, she realizes that these things are so freaking slow. And then she winds up shooting the one in the head, and she does that. Oh God! Like she just kind of yeah. is like so freaked out by it. Yeah. Like it's 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 almost like primal. Like Dan said, it's they're no longer acting. It's just like they're in the moment, mm-hmm. and they just do. And then people are like, "Oh my God, you're like method or whatever." And it's like, no, you're just like in it. Yeah, she does the same in this at the end of this. One major miss for me, though, in that final scene. With the, well, I say final scene, in the, the main arc when the house is burning. Which, by the way, that house looked really great on fire. Very well produced movie. Mm. Dino, top of his game. Hi, this is Dan in post. There's no way we could have predicted where this episode would end up going, but just keep in mind our praise universally for the ending of the movie uh, with the giant inferno. Okay, back to the show. Here's the thing that they miss, right? Police roll up and not a single cop goes, 
Oh man, that, rel that red dragon. Well, he's a new dragon. He doesn't quite have control of his powers yet. Because he burnt the house down. Guys, yeah. I need a no. dragon joke there. And there's no. No, nope. no, 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 <laughs> no. no, no, no. <laughs> what are you, Kevin Smith? <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to Kevin Smith's review of the Batman today. Oh, I bet that's him, fun. It's him How many and... times does he cry? At least twice. No, he he he, he was the, his co-host. I can't remember his name. Uh, Mark. Uh, oh, Bernardin. Bernard. 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 Yeah. yeah. He hated it. What? So the, he let Mark go first. So Mark shit on it for about 35, 40 <laughs> minutes. And then I think Kevin was like, yeah, I can't. I can't. And then I can't be Kevin Smith here. I got to kind of play it down a little bit or he's going to rip on me. So he kind of <laughs> I've watched him cry over commercials like he's like, oh, it's the greatest commercial ever. You know, so, and he's a big Batman fan, but I think he has a little hang up that Ben Affleck is is his Batman because that's his boy. That's oh his yeah, and he really but, wanted uh, the Dark Knight Returns Batman, and when he got that, I think he was attached. Yeah, which is fine. Uh, he's of that generation that 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 was his his Batman. So I get it. But listen, <laughs> listen to him tell jokes about how how they could go in a certain direction with the script. I'm like, yeah, that movie would be terrible. They probably would never make that. <laughs> well, let's see, because they just announced the sequel, so we've still got a chance. Yeah. So no, I'm they, saying Kevin Smith's suggestions would not have worked. Well, we'll have to see what he does in the sequel. Maybe he'll get a rewrite. We don't know. Matt Reeves might be like, oh, Kevin Smith just gets this character. Kevin Smith's Daredevil was pretty good his comic yeah his wrote. batman comic did not get a very good reception his batman comic was not as good he should not have had batman well. pee his pants hmm. that was a mistake. and he also did a uh, green arrow which was pretty good too so, yeah. yeah so why did batman have to pee his pants guys off topic <laughs> back to red dragon <laughs> right oh my gosh it's a good movie i like it george do you a, like it because he's a dirty little beast he's that's dirty why beast. oh yeah that's that's that whole batman thing cutting to, it uh, off and stuff that's not good Actually, it's funny, that's very was, relevant to the movie. Good job, George. Yeah. yeah I was watching you. this movie, and I'm thinking, Dan last week is going to hate this movie. <laughs> well, because, I was I was thinking about that, too. Because there's a lot of implication of childhood trauma, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but there's I'm not a, having there's to abuse see here. it. You hear it, you but hear you, don't it, you don't see it. But I never see it. And that's the thing. Like The one part of this movie that makes me go, I don't know about, how, let's, you know, I'm giving trust to Brett Ratner not to go too far. Like, ooh. Is the part where the kid is being held at glass yeah, point. Pees himself. Yeah. And like I get why they do it the way they do it. Like it ties the whole thing back together and all that, but it's just not a pleasant scene to look at. I don't hmm. really everything that happens after he's in the hospital and makes fun of her hair, which is really funny. Like that's a good human moment. After that, hmm. I don't need the rest of this movie. Like hmm. I don't know, it's just a mess. And then the weird shootout part, like, I don't know. But hey, uh, Mary Louise Parker, uh, pre-Weeds, so not Love as, her. I don't know if she was famous yet at all nah, when she she's was... in this, but she was great the whole time. Like, Yeah, she was in a couple like mainstream movies. but She, she lets him really have it yet. there at the end, which was good, good for her. But I felt like the whole execution of that last scene is just a mess. And part of that mm. probably adds to the like off-the-rails feeling of the thing. But I just—I don't know. I don't know if I needed it. I—I uh, I vehemently disagree with you. And that's okay. I kind of like the idea I, that he, you know, blows his own head off and she puts her hand in it, and ew. Yeah. Ew. Yeah. No. You have to live with that, and instead, it's she puts her hand in the jerk guy's head, and it's like, well, that guy sucked, so I don't feel bad yeah. anymore. No, I thought as as uncomfortable as the scene was to watch, uh, where Ed Norton is abusing his son on purpose, uh, to get a rise out of uh, what's his name, Francis. Francis. I mean, I just keep calling him the Red Dragon. The dra I mean, he's the dragon. At that point, he is the dragon. He has transformed. He is, yeah. So, um, I thought it was brilliant, and it was, I agree, super uncomfortable to watch, but. As I was watching it, I was like, "This is brilliant." It's kind of like the Gordon scene with with uh, his son and Two Face at the yep. end when he's. Like, yep. It's a lot like that scene. And yeah. I will take a thousand of these scenes over one kid with a gaping flesh wound getting drowned right. in a baptismal a pool. A, a fake kid. A dream kid. A dream kid. 
a mind a mind child. It's not a, a dream, child. it's a mindscape. <laughs> it's a mind child. <laughs> oh, yikes. I do have to say that Edward Norton uh today would have probably killed this role a lot better than he did at this age that he made this movie. I kept going back and forth on him because he is good in Fight Club. At least yeah. I remember him being good in Fight Club. It's been a while. I felt like he sucked in a lot of his scenes, but I don't think it was yeah. his fault. It's that no. weird one-shot, over-the-shoulder Brett Ratner mm-hmm. style with him trying to keep up with... Because it was really... His worst scenes were with Hannibal. I thought. Yeah. His delivery was way too casual. And then you go to Hannibal, and he's being Hannibal. All like, you know, Frasier with a ponytail. Mm. Uh did we ever point out that Hannibal reminds me of Frasier? Because the more I, I don't watch, think we did. No. The more I, I watch this, it. the more I think of this as a Cheers spinoff. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Now I love the so much fun. They got to figure out how to get Niles in there somehow. Well, and that's the thing, right? You could have had and Niles, uh, Norton as Niles, kind of keeping up with him, even just energy level, and instead you get this like, you know, oh, I'm Hannibal Lecter, followed by like. Yeah, but like I'm Ed Norton, mm. and the delivery was it didn't it wasn't congruent with the scene. It was very See, weird. The different the difference is Niles held his own. Oh yeah, Kels, I mean, but that's and, what I'm saying. You could have had him be Niles. You could yeah. have had him keep keep up, and he just yeah, didn't. That. And uh, it stinks because it's a. I like him. I like Norton. But what do you mean by keep up? Like you mean keep up like acting wise? Yeah, or like dialogue yeah. wise. Every time it would cut from Hannibal back to Ed Norton, what he would say next didn't sound like he was in the same conversation. Or even the same movie a lot of times. It was very casual, very it's like... something that sometimes happens in movies that you don't get in theater. Because in theater, you're both on stage, in the scene, mm-hmm. looking at each other and delivering lines that you've rehearsed over and over and over again. It's in real time. It's in real time. Yeah. With movies, sometimes they'll set that camera up seven or eight times in different, you know, we're doing the the wide shot, then the close and up, sometimes, then over the shoulder. And sometimes if it's a really good movie, they'll move the furniture around. That's true. That's true. And the light switches. But sometimes they use the wrong they might use the wrong take with the wrong like let's say you and I are having a scene and they're filming me do my lines to you. You're mm-hmm. off screen and then they flip the cameras and then they do you talking to me and they don't show me. I'm just giving you lines so you can react, but the camera's on you. Mm-hmm. And then in editing, they might use the wrong take like the 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 delivery of the line might not really go with the next delivery of the next line so it kind of feels weird because they're not the volley's strange the the pacing's yeah. off so and the energy might not be there from one guy to the other and plus it's probably pretty damn intimidating to be a young ed norton yeah on screen with oscar nominated oscar award winning you know i can't imagine doing a scene with with hopkins or Pacino or yeah I mean like I know that like Anthony Hopkins isn't really Hannibal Lecter but like if I met him in real life I I think I would be afraid of him he's such a sweet guy though but yeah he seems like a real nice dude and yeah but you don't like think that he might eat you no I mean but I'm worse ways to go George worse ways to go I mean he's he seemed like a real nice dude but I wouldn't be scared (laughs) of him I'm just kidding. I, I, no matter what, he could play like the scariest dude ever on TV, and I wouldn't be scared of him. I would just be scared. I'd be scared of the guy that's fucking my lines up with this legend, or the guy's not uh, giving the energy that he's giving, being that or guy. I'm not as prepared as he is. That that would play with me a lot more than the fact that he's he's Hannibal Lecter. Like that's that's kind of being starstruck, but it's more about the failure of not being able to keep up with this yeah. guy. Like this guy probably has done character study upon character study on this and, and played scenes in his head that aren't even in the script. Yeah. Just to get him to the point where he's having this conversation with me. I don't know what he's prepared. He might have prepared that he's had this conversation with me 17 times in 12 different occasions and I didn't rehearse it that way. So I'm playing it different. There's just so many ways yeah. that it can screw You don't want to be a bumblefuck when you're yeah. across from him. Um, did you guys ever see uh, the Hannibal um, show? TV show? Like the Netflix show? I watched like the first six episodes. 
I have not seen good. it, but my buddy Jake will send me screenshots from it now and then. Like, oh my god, mm-hmm. you have to watch this show, yeah, and it's like, well, not, not anymore because you just showed me all the guts. <laughs> <laughs> well, the uh, the Will Graham, um, the guy who plays Will Graham, or just the character, the way it's written in that show, is very very good. Yeah, and so I found myself watching this movie this time, comparing Ed Norton to. The Will Graham right. that I kind of know. I didn't watch that many episodes either, but it did. It, well, it, it is same. the comparisons happening in my mind. I'm a pretty much. I'd say I'm a a a big fan of Ed Norton, like in what yeah. I've seen him in. Um, I like him a lot. I hated Fight Club, not because of Ed Norton, but just because of the, the movie was terrible. Yeah. But um, it's a niche movie, definitely. But Ed Norton and a lot of other things is very good. So when I saw him in this movie, I could tell that he wasn't like Ed Norton now that I know. Right. He was much younger. And I kind of felt the same way as you, Dan, like where sometimes it didn't like really, it didn't really flow and his, he was playing it kind of weird, but sometimes I felt like he really settled in. And in those times, I'm thinking about like the 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 scene where he, like the the plexiglass mm-hmm. scenes, I thought were very good. When you know Hector, uh, Hector, yeah. Hannibal Lecter, <laughs> let's just call him Hector. We'll call him Hector. Yeah, um, Hannibal Although Lecter like Hector. accuses him of like, with you know with like the you know transitive property or something of being smarter than him, mm-hmm. like. And he's you know he's like you know how did you catch me and he's you know he says oh, yeah I got lucky. And he's like, you don't even believe that. And, you know, the whole, that, that whole exchange I thought was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, Doesn't he say, because you're insane? Yeah. Well, first he says, he's, he brushes it off like I got lucky. Right. Like there's no way I'm as, there's no way I'm as, I'm as smart as you. You know that. I know that. I got lucky. Right. Right. And then he pushed him further to and say then, it. Exactly. Because Hannibal knew that. That's yeah. why <laughs> it's it, the the exchange yeah. was so good, and I was like, "There's the Ed Norton." But see, the problem the problem is you're always going to a compare it to his chemistry with Clarice. Yeah, absolutely. Which is non-existent in this movie. There's no right. there's, yeah. The banter is not as good because the chemistry is not there, and uh, and then lines like that, and the character itself, I don't think he fleshed it out enough to where all right, this guy isn't insane but he's a profiler and can think like it's someone who's a, a psycho path and he that never really comes through with him like he never has any kind of real breakdowns to where you almost see like a transition like he has that uh, uh, he almost has epiphanies yeah not so much like he's thinking like the killer and then yep. like i don't know i I, I like i like how in the hannibal show the Will Graham character is like physically beaten down or like physically exhausted right. from his because it's almost like his a, a skill, a talent that he has. Yeah. It's almost like a a clairvoyance. A clairvoyant but it's, but it's would have. Not. It's just like Lecter said. Like he has the ability to right put himself know, there. put himself in these other people's minds and their shoes and how they're what they're thinking and that and would what be exhausting. And blah blah blah. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely exhausting, and that you didn't see that in this movie mm-hmm. at all, which is a, which was a nice touch when they did the it kind of show falls under what we always talk about with acting. You can you can act or you can be, and if you don't know your character well enough and believe in what they're saying, mm-hmm. then you're always acting. Yeah, like the reason why the reason why um, Graham's wife doesn't want him to go back to help with this case is you know what when i'm watching it in the beginning is like oh because it's dangerous right but i then, never felt it was dangerous in this right but then i'm thinking more i'm thinking more back to the will graham of the hannibal show and i'm like well if he had if it was written like this and like you know maybe he has to like supplement with drugs and stuff mm-hmm. to like cope self medicate yeah like, it, yeah, he you know, most definitely should be an alcoholic in this movie. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like the the Graham character wasn't like as didn't have as much depth as I feel it should have yeah. or could have. But I mean, even unwritten, like a good, like a great actor would go into this 
even if he doesn't take a drink in the movie. Like Al Pacino, they said in Heat, he was a, a cokehead. But they never show him take a, take a line at all. Right. But his behavior and his delivery of lines, that was what he told himself. That right. this yeah. guy's an addict and yes. he's doing shit on the side. You're not seeing it. They're not showing the, the powder in his nose and all that stuff. But he's being it. And he's 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 giving it layers that you can sink yeah. your teeth into or not. At face value, it's still a good movie. At face value, it's still good scenes. Yeah. But when you find that that little level out, then you're like, oh, okay. Oh, all this stuff makes sense Yeah, now. his delivery makes a lot more sense now. Now, I don't want what I'm saying to be construed as like a huge criticism. I don't think it's that big a deal that he was like more straight-laced in this right. and held it together way better than other Will Grahams I've seen. I still think it's fine. Mm-hmm. But I think it the the danger would have been there if they would have shown me him go to that dark place right. to where he can where it's where it's not just not only is it dangerous because he might get once. killed you know well that that it has it's not only dangerous because he might get killed it's also dangerous because he turns into a different person when he's right. doing this it's not good for his health it's not good for you know it's not yeah. good it's not good period so. There's that take. I like I said. You know I don't want it to good... take too much away from it because <laughs> this movie is great. I think it's. I'm thinking no, Vincent D'Onofrio would have been a good Will Graham in this movie. Vincent it would have been D'Onofrio. just like his. Uh, wasn't he on one of the Law and Orders for a little while? Remind I me who D'Onofrio Criminal is. Criminal Minds, well, D- one of those TV shows. <laughs> D'Onofrio is. Um, oh my God. Are you having to tell him who D'Onofrio is? <laughs> Was in the movie last week that we watched. Yeah, I know, and I told you I knew his name. <laughs> He's also Private Pile. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 He has the range to be able to play the straight cop, mm-hmm. but also has the range to show that dark slip right? that Norton doesn't, and I know he can do because I've seen a movie where he's done it. Oh, yeah. And early. Which one? Can't tell you. Okay. It'll come up later. <laughs> but, uh, he has the range. So to me, this falls under director. Okay. I don't know if Dan would agree with that. Oh, yeah. To me, no, I mean, if the I, guy I has think, the range. I think that he had the ability to pull this off and the director just didn't yeah. give him the opportunity to execute. It's, it's the Clooney factor. But I am going to say one thing nice about the director, guys. Are you ready? It's the only nice thing I'm going to say about the director in this whole episode. Okay. When he is watching the videotapes and he's like, how does he know about all these things? Right. And they've talked about the bolt cutters. They make it a point to show you the shot with the padlock without him Mm. noticing it. So if you're paying attention, it rewards the viewer to be like, oh, fuck, there's the padlock. And then, like Mm. a minute later, he looks again and, oh my God, there's the padlock. He saw this video. He gave you the opportunity to notice a minute. He gave me the opportunity as a viewer to be like, yeah, there's a padlock. He must have seen this video. Give mm-hmm. me the chance to play along. Thank you, Brett Ratner. Mm. <laughs> B-Rats. Mr. Rats, thanks. This, <laughs> total this mistake. was not a, uh, yeah, a Stanley Kubrick moment. This was do, a co- total mistake. He didn't even do it on purpose. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. Ooh, we didn't even mean it. We just, yeah, oh, oops. Yeah, oops. It's a processing error. We didn't mean to keep that second shot in. Oh, damn it. Either uh, way, it turned out great, and I like that part a lot because it got, it got me uh, feeling my, like I saw uh, something. My wife was uh, across the room, not in... Not in uh, eye shot of the TV, but she could hear mm. them talking about how like he knows the insides of these people's houses, blah 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 blah, and and my wife says, "What is he a plumber? <laughs> what is he like a? Was he an electrician? What, what is it? What is he like that he knows the insides of the houses, right? right? And it, like the next second, they're like, "We need to know like all the service people that have been in these houses. Like yeah. they had the same thought, sh- like." So she did that kind of, and I don't remember all the details because it's been uh, long, like twenty years since I read the book, Ooh, something like that. Horrible. Uh, but I'm pretty sure it, in the book, Red Dragon, he's like a an electrical. He disguises himself as a uh, electric company guy, so he's checking the mm. meters. He's so he a has cable the ability. Guy. Exactly. <laughs> I <had> the same <laughs> thought. <laughs> he's a cable guy. Can I come in and check up your cables? I've never seen that movie, guys. Oh my god. 
I don't think I've ever seen it either. We're watching it. Oh, man. Next week. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, sorry. it's probably fine, but Are I hear there... that it's... No, it's you'll, got... probably, you'll probably Dude, hate it's it because got... I love it. It's got everything, <laughs> Dan, that you love. It's got yeah, people... It's... They make fun of people's disabilities. It's an American oh, There's jello. child abuse. Yeah. It's oh, great. No. You'll love it. It's Ben's... It's a Ben Stiller-directed <laughs> film. Oh, well, Did that he direct that? Right. For real? Yeah, he directed it. It was back when he had that MTV TV show. The Ben Stiller show mm-hmm. when Sarah Silverman was on there. I love her. So this is like a long time ago. It's Matthew Broderick before he went into a coma and disappeared forever. And Jim Carrey, it, like, it's such a dark film that people were not expecting, and that's why it didn't get the uh, the love it should mm. have. But it's it was ahead of its time, if you ask me. Well, I'm I'm down to watch it. Okay, it's been too long since I said something nice about this director. Guys, a couple of things that really drove me crazy <laughs> watching this movie today. Uh, first of all, Hannibal has cameras all over his cell and no one noticed him rolling a note from his mail into his toilet I paper. thought that same mm. thing. Because the shot they have when they show him putting it back in the cell, I mean, maybe they just put those cameras in, but that's pretty short-sighted because this is Hannibal's cell. Bar- Barney was uh, helping Migs <laughs> clean I'm up. so glad that Barney was in this movie. <laughs> I love Barney. He's great. And Chilton, they should make a movie about Barney and just all the different inmates that are in that place. Dude, that would be kind of a cool movie. That could be a whole TV show. Chilton, by the way, sucks so bad, but like <laughs> perfectly, right? Like yeah. he is just as crappy as yeah. in Silence. And so I was happy the, he was back. The douche meter goes off. But again, longer hair to make him look young. <laughs> he looked not young. No. Well, what's the, 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 the age difference? Is it 10 years from the Silence? Yeah, it would have been nine or ten years, yeah. Yeah. Barney looks exactly the same, so that, that worked. But, uh... Which one was Barney? Barney he's the orderly. The... the guy who's, like, Hannibal never, like, gets mad at because he's so respectful of him. You, yeah, he's yeah he's the guy that... Yeah, I know who he is. He's right in the, the front of the hallway. Yeah. He opens the gate and closes the gate yes. for yep. you, yeah. I remember him. Ooh, and another nitpick that just drove me crazy... Uh, Mr. D pulls in with his van to drop the girl off uh, at home, Reba. Reba! Drops Reba off at home, and Reba. she's like, hey, do you want to come in? And he's like, eh, I don't know. And then he's like, okay, I'll come in. Dudes, he's parked like a foot away from the fire hydrant. <laughs> so here's a guy trying to avoid police scrutiny, and he's going to get a parking ticket. But... Here's a guy who kills people. You think he's going to worry about that law? <laughs> but here's the thing. Parking tickets are what always bring these criminals down, yeah, right? Or like a right. busted taillight or whatever. Well, these guys that's... should be avoiding police scrutiny at all costs. Like it should be maybe. a personality trait. Wow, isn't that weird? Mr. D is very afraid of parking tickets. I wonder Subconsciously, why. Subconsciously, he wants to get caught, maybe. He wants to stop his spree. I don't know. I mean, no, John I Wayne Gacy walked around like a clown. <laughs> Dressed as a clown. I didn't Hiding get in that plain sight, man. Feel. Hiding in plain sight. I didn't get that feel from Francis Dollarhide at all. He's he so good. He, he, he's another one who's like a national treasure. You know, you know what got me, uh, Dan? What's that? In the very last scene uh, when uh, Graham and his son are held up in like the room at the end of the hall after the whatever and he locks the door and Dollarhide's trying to break into it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? Do you know what I'm about to say? Uh, I had a serious concern about the structural integrity of the door, but go on. When, <laughs> when it's these aren't Pasadena when, walls. When the wife, yeah, when the <laughs> wife comes in to open the door, she can't open it, and then she immediately just like breaks the slats that it's made out of and opens it from the lock from the inside. <laughs> she Michael. She Michael Myers. She was it. like, she like. <laughs> I, I, so, and at the point when I was watching it, like, I get it, like. You know, Dollar Hide is like, it's adrenaline. Like, mm. you just see a door and you're like, break it down. I get it. But, like, she had the presence of mind to say, this, this door's locked. How do I get it open? Oh, well, mm. I'll just, like, break these little, you know. Well, yeah, from the moment they shut it behind them, I think, oh, no, it's a Halloween door because it looks like mm. the closet. Right. And I think yeah. his first push, he's going right through those slats, and instead he gives it, like, four or five good, like, door jam hits. And I'm like, you're hitting the wrong yeah. spot, bro. 
Yeah, well, and I and I chalked that up to like adrenaline, but it's really, really funny how easily the wife opens the door. Yeah, I know it's so. It's funny. really I mean, even, funny. even Myers has to shake that door about ten times before he starts breaking it. <laughs> That's yeah. what I'm saying. That last scene is a mess. It's just it's one of those things that like in the moment it might unfold in a way that you don't nitpick it, but me being an, a person who picks the nits, I was just like, oh, I don't like this whole scene. It should have been reshot and reblocked. But it's and... it's got a uh, scream headshot. All of this it to does. say, I still love this movie. Yeah, it's fine. It's a good it's movie. It's still great. It's good. Someone should, someone should probably make it again. Maybe yeah. Yeah, now that you can do a young, a youngification, you can yeah. get all those actors back before they croak and... <laughs> make him young again and that reminds me my biggest hang up in this movie was that uh S- scott glenn is still alive when they make this movie he's alive today why is he not playing jack crawford yeah why isn't he why are you getting harvey Keitel, who is amazing actor and he's an icon but why are you getting the cleaner to come in and play crawford when you have scott glenn who is a working actor and alive yeah and it's funny. And probably doesn't look much different than he did when he made the first movie. Talk about the distance in time between when I first saw this and now. I seriously was like, oh, Harvey Keitel is in this movie. And I didn't have any idea who that was 20 years ago, oh, which wow. is on me because I just hadn't seen him in anything. And now he's like you iconic American actor. <laughs> well, I would have known him as, but you know, I like the black detective guy from Sister Act more. Okay. He was my guy. And so. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's funny that like now I'm like, oh crap, Harvey Keitel's here and I don't remember him being here at all. Yeah. And Bill I was Duke thrown off from by Predator. Did you catch yeah, him in there Bill as Duke's the there, police yeah. chief? Heck yeah. <laughs> good cast. I mean, here's the thing. Dino doing his part, giving us a good cast, giving us great sets. The fire looks great. The Hannibal ponytail, I'm not a huge fan of. Mm-mm. Well, again... Long hair makes them look younger, I know. Yeah, it's the uh well not not that it has to make them look younger. It's the as I say, it's the this is us theory where we can tell you it's a different time period by showing different hairstyles. Right. Mm. So yeah. they're like, Okay, he has this hairstyle in silence. This takes place ten years prior to silence or five years prior to silence. He obviously this is before he got caught. So we we got about six years, maybe he had a ponytail. <laughs> Several Dude, years. Lecter's... Several years. We don't have a specific date, which uh, you don't even have that. I right. didn't love that. I actually do have. Oh, cool! It's several years later. Several cool. years. Okay. So <laughs> several years. So that earlier. could have been like the late seventies, for all we know. Yeah. And so, yeah, I don't know. And, it looked very. And I'm not like, ready to see him in a mustache. So do fiction. the ponytail. Because <laughs> doesn't, yeah. doesn't I don't Travolta have mustache. a little ponytail in Pulp Fiction? That was my yes. where my brain went. Yes. Yeah. Yikes. Guys, that hairstyle is like my hairstyle. <laughs> you realize that, right? Like, yeah, uh, I mean, you know, we tried to tell you the short way, but instead we went the really, we started a podcast, <laughs> got a hundred episodes in before we were like, George, this is your George, intervention. Cut your intervention. hair. Intervention. I saw the scene. Get rid I saw of the man the, bun. I saw the ponytail <laughs> and I thought, oh my God, is that what I look like? <laughs> now just don't they... keep arrows anywhere near you. For a very yeah. convenient and very annoying out of nowhere yeah, stab. Right. I did not like that part. <laughs> that part made me sad. It would have been funny. It would have been like a uh, top secret moment if he like pulled a bazooka out of out of the closet or something and shot him instead of pulling arrows. He just arrows. fires an olive out of his <laughs> belly button <laughs> right into his the eye fuck? while he's stabbing him. That would have been perfect. That's a hot shots part do. That moment, is hot shot do. Part do. We'll watch that season seven. <laughs> during the charlie sheen block <laughs> yeah i actually had a note on here arrows i wonder if we'll see those again and the next note up oh, there they are there they are they <laughs> see i was he's looking at the arrows and i'm like i'm trying to scope out something that's gonna get him to realize well talk about trying some, to live some... under the radar dude's got a tattoo on him that would throw up 19 red flags like who's giving him this tattoo he's not doing it himself is he oh uh dollar the, Hides Mr. Tattoo? Yeah. yeah i he's mean going somewhere and they're looking at that like hey man tattoo I mean, listen, community ten... real tight lipped lots of privacy okay that i, I don't I think know anything that, about that I but i think 
It I sounded think good. that, but I also oh, think that like tattoos that are underneath people's clothes, like you don't. Yeah, but the guy doing the tattoo is the. Has, I can't remember. Yeah, but the cops don't know he has a tattoo. Oh, they haven't mentioned. They like, that's not part of the mo of the Red Dragon. No, they don't, they don't know. know. Okay, no, they okay, don't know that. Scratch and, that. Reverse it. And even if you did know that, then you're going to every tattoo parlor and talking to ever and you know like. It, it's it's possible that the guy who did that tattoo is now on the other side of the country, hmm. somewhere. Well, else, look what they what did mean? with Buffalo Bill. They went to every hospital that did a reassignment surgery, and that's how they found James Gum. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. If they knew he had that tattoo, sure, that's a viable thing to look into. Yeah, I couldn't remember if that was like a mention. If that was like one of the, you know, sometimes these killers have something that's visually associated with them. I wasn't sure if that was... No, his whole thing, Hannibal kept mentioning facial deformity, but they didn't know what kind. So it helped us to know that it was consistent, but it didn't help the feds because they didn't know. Now, one thing... His leave behind was the bite. Yeah, the bite was the big thing. And I am going to say, guys, one other nice thing about the way this movie was directed, uh, when they examine... You do like this director. Look at you. That's like number seven. (laughs) When they examine the crime scene, the first one, they're very careful to follow my preference, which is show me the aftermath of a horrible thing, but mm. never make me see the horrible thing. And in fact, when he's looking at pictures of the crime scene, he sees the pre, right? And this is, I guess this cuts to when uh, Hoffman's in the chair, right? Yes. He's like, oh, here's the see? pre. Do you see? And then he shows her becoming, but we don't have to see that. Yeah, we don't see that slide. And then we see the aftermath, which we've already seen when he was examining the crime scene. So mm, the movie yeah. follows my preference, which is if you're going to do something awful, let's just talk about it after. Let's not see the horrible thing for the sake of exploitation, right? Like, I'm not here to be uh, abused by your movie. Mm. And I think I'm pretty consistent on that as we go through these last few movies. It's been, that's where my line's been, right? Seven, good, soft, bad. Right? The mm. cell, bad. Red Dragon, good. Now, I've said a nice thing about this director, so I have to even it out because who? Woof. <laughs> but, uh. Buzz's director, woof. Yeah, Buzz, your woof. director, woof. <laughs> but let me see, because I had a good counter. My to daughter that, says that all the and time. Someone is in my room for some reason. <laughs> she, she's like four. I know. She'll go, she'll go, Dad. Oh. Buzz's girlfriend, woof. Huh. Uh, oh we have some kind of emergency in the neighborhood i thought these police sirens were coming for me i'm gonna have to go outside and take a look because i'm a rubbernecker but i have to think of that mean thing i was gonna say about this movie so i've been interrupted by a beautiful lady oh are you gonna do the dane cook thing where you all stand on your front lawns like hey act like it's cold hey how's it going Everybody's outside. I was in my kitchen washing a dish. He was in his bathroom. Tell him, tell him what you told me. And then I came <laughs> out. Right? Isn't that the one where I came outside? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so the, the car accident. When there's a car accident, everybody comes outside and they all want to talk. They want to tell the police what they heard. <laughs> so the thing about this movie that it harkens back to what we were talking about earlier and these annoying, like, kind of underdeveloped callbacks to the sounds of the lambs mm. that goddamn aftershave guys mm. it's like hannibal is this expert this fraser crane knowing all of his very fancy things and the mm. only aftershave he successfully identifies is the same one as the last one mm. the avian skin cream no it's well it's because it, he references her dad he references oh, right, Clarice's right, right, right. dad, you know, wearing a aftershave with a ship on the bottle. And then this mm. one, oh, that's the aftershave with the ship on the bottle. I was like, oh my God, mm. we're recycling so much. I didn't even remember that. But that is a dig, man. That's, that's a shame. Because to me, that's one of my favorite lines from Silence. Yeah, it's great in Silence. It's so human. And then this one is mm-hmm. just a throwaway. But it's that lip service versus like actual. Because you could build a world where. You know, you introduce concepts. Yeah, it smells like my whole neighborhood's on fire. I better go outside and peek before they put it out. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, so you, you build the opportunity. You know, you get this opportunity to be like, hey, we're going to build things into this movie that then paid off already 
but do it in a way that it seems like a natural progression for the characters. And instead, they're just like, okay, give me the checklist of things we mentioned in silence. Let's get them in here. Mm. Missed opportunity. Yeah, I agree. I think bringing up the dude's scent at all, like, is kind of like too close to the yeah. Avion's But at least they didn't do the, because to me, the best part of that line is when he says, but not today. So it kind of shows, like, not only does he place the smell, but it's like she was wearing it not today. She was wearing yeah. it, like, yes, two days yes, ago. Yes, so yes, to yes. me, it, it it adds a creepiness. Yeah, it's like. And a detail. Yeah. His ability to pick out her essence. Like, <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's way more Which effective. Way better movie, but this, this is Oh, my gosh, I can hear the sirens now. <laughs> yeah, it's been <laughs> going for a while. That's just stand on his hood of his car going, woo! <laughs> I'm very excited. <laughs> Pull over. Well, in case my power goes out or something crazy with this, let's wrap up for this week. Uh, Travis, what are we watching yes. next week? Well, Dan. Tell us what I've won. <laughs> we are watching a movie that, uh, I don't know, it's a classic from the 80s. Familiar called, director. Uh, familiar director. Mr. Uh, do we say his name? No. George won't remember anyway. That's true. Um, That's true. We have watched one of his movies before, I believe. Uh, The movie is called Manhunter. Do you know anything about Manhunter? No. Doesn't... I suspect that you're going to make some kind of uh, parallel to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Do you like going back to the 80s? I didn't do that with this. (laughs) I wanted to. I'm sure you could. (laughs) I probably could. Are you excited to be back in the 80s, George? Yeah, sure, why not? Was it like 86, I think? 86? And there's what one the stipulation with this one. Good uh, Meg needs to be the one to set it up, hit play, and pause it on a black screen, just like First Blood, because yes, okay. it needs to be a, a fresh First Blood type experience. Okay. Oh, I can't wait. A, a dust till dawn moment. Oh, I will. If uh, I could bottle the feeling of George watching that movie, not knowing what it turns into, ah, <sighs> it's good. Yeah, that <laughs> that was a good payoff. I that love that worth, movie, dude. That's that was a worth movie. the price of admission. Oh. That was mean. Well, no, actually, that's like <laughs> that's kind of like the pinnacle of our podcast. You know, you don't you don't get that. No, unless you have a person like me. Yes. Yeah. So thank you for your service, you know? George. <laughs> You're doing good work. So I'm doing, I'm doing the Lord's work. Thank you for joining us on the Remedial Film Class podcast. As always, you could find us at facebook.com slash remedialfilmpod at remedialfilmpod at gmail.com on Twitter and Instagram at remedialfilmpod. It's a whole thing. Hey, uh, don't tell George about Manhunter, okay? He has no idea. And just like the movie Red Dragon, that ends with a fiery conclusion, but wait, there's more. This episode also ended with a fiery conclusion, and then a little more. So, when you guys were talking about the Hannibal TV show, and this like almost psychic detective thing, I had this like weird synergy moment where in the last episode or the episode before, Travis mentioned the thing that makes... Silence of the Lambs, a good Oscar-winning movie and not a late-night Cinemax movie. Mm. That quote from Travis, mixed with me having watched this week an old late-night Cinemax movie called <laughs> Forbidden Games, which is nice. from the mid-90s. It's directed by she Edward Holtzman. Is that a Tweed movie? It could have been. It, she's not in it. but So I'm watching <laughs> okay. this movie, and it's about a psychic detective. And I was just like, oh, my God, these really are just the overlap between the Cinemax movies, mm. the Silence of the Lambs. I mean, really... And the Jallos and the Slashers and the Fatal Attractions and the... It's all like Mm -hmm. a connected, slightly, you know, tipping, you know, here and there from violent to erotic, but... And then sometimes you get the lightning in the bottle where, like, Basic Instinct, where it should have been a late night Cinemax movie, but it was just so well acted and so well made and written that it became, I don't want to say Oscar-nominated quality but it was definitely a it's better than its (laughs) reputation though yeah so definitely hopefully we get back to that genre soon i'm not gonna make george watch showgirls at some point (laughs) yay yay shout out to 
uh, the technician at the patient first urgent care. Um, Cherry Hill. I don't know your name. Across the street from Wegmans. But uh, <laughs> you administered a COVID test uh, to my wife recently, and it was negative, thank goodness. Um, but she's positive that you, you had a big Jason tattoo <laughs> and she started talking to you and apparently you're a big Jallo nerd. Ooh, my kind of yeah. guy. Future fan. Check Once we find out. out who he is. Check this out. <laughs> my wife talked to this dude about Jallo movies and movies. Well, I guess she kind of just listened because you know how Jallo people are. They just, <laughs> it's true. You know, going on and on and on about yeah, Jallo. Um, but um, for her entire uh, interaction and uh, f- just forgot to mention the name of the podcast because yeah, that's important. Oh so my God. I'm, so I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to find you technician at patient first we're going to fire Jason tattoo, you and uh, and we're going to tell you what our show is called that's amazing and then you're going to listen to this and so here's your shout out in so about two your, years here's your shout out once you get to episode <laughs> Eighty-five, ninety-one, ninety-one, ninety-one. Once you get to episode ninety-one, it'll pay off. Give us a call, guy from Patient First with the Jason tattoo. It's a shame he didn't bring up a Silent Night, comma Deadly Night. To him. Oh, I'm sure he's a fan. I'm sure. He- Maybe I'm we'll sure have him be on. Glad to punish COVID. Punish. <laughs> COVID that's punish. Maybe, Dan, maybe you and him can start a podcast about Jallos. I don't have nope. any time for any more podcasts. I'm too busy with no, this okay. one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm waiting for like a Kermit the Frog. <laughs> 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 oh, shit.